Hi, I'm Damon Frank, and you're listening to The Recovered Life Show. Every week, we bring you a Recovered Life discussion all about how to get unstuck in areas of your sobriety that are keeping you from living your best recovered life. Remember, addiction is a life-threatening condition, and the information in this discussion is provided as a resource only and is not to be used or relied upon for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a substitute when professional diagnosis or treatment is needed. Now, let's jump into the discussion. Okay, welcome to Recovered Life Discussions. My name is Damon Frank. I'm joined by my co-mod here, Anne. And you are in the unstuck room. Every week we come to you with a topic that you might be stuck in, in an area of your sobriety, in your recovery. Um, And we look at it, we kind of pull it apart, and we try to find a solution. Sometimes when you don't feel that there is a solution, when you start discussing it, and you start bringing it out, you start breaking it down, a solution arises. So that's what we're all about here in the unstuck room. Um, what I picked for today's topic, I thought was really relevant, especially in today's world. You know, today's world is kind of chaotic. There's a lot of uncertainty and uncertainty causes fear and fear sometimes leaves people immobilized. They don't know what actions to take or they just take a bunch of actions that aren't right, right? It's either two ways, either take a lot of actions that aren't right, but, but most of the time, What happens is when we reach fear, a large amount of fear and a large amount of unknowingness in recovery, we end up feeling immobilized. And that limits the potential of what we could do. What was possible last week, last month, last year becomes not possible in this new consciousness. So that's what we're going to tackle today. We're going to talk about how to get unstuck from fear. Is your potential being limited? Um, How it works, it's really easy. We invite people up onto the stage, Ann and I also speak, um, and we wanna hear what you have to say. The rules are very simple with the Unstuck Recovered Life discussion. We just ask that you use your first name. This is is recorded and re-aired on Clubhouse here and on our podcast, so we just ask that people use their first name. And you're that you're loving and kind that, uh, you know, when you refer to other people that you're respectful and that's it. Those are the only rules that we have in the unstuck room. I want to go to Anne real quick. How you doing, Anne? Um, talk to me about fear. I know you've never had fear and it's never limited your potential. So we'll start with that. But I, that's probably not the case, right, Anne? Like everybody has fear. Uh, well, how did you know I've never had fear, Damon? It was a guess. Of course. Anna. It was a guess. <laughs> I've never, ever, ever, ever experienced fear. Oh, my gosh. You know? <laughs> oh, I have walked through more fears than, uh, and then, I don't know. I, I, you know, I guess we all have our level of fears that we walk through. Now, you know, it would be kind of interesting to actually know what it, what it is, how many different kinds of fears we walk through. But here's the, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, you know what? Um, fear to me is, um, it's, it's actually uh, a warning sign that something, 
something dangerous is in front of me, whether it's a realistic fear or not, that's for me to judge, you know, and uh, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just a feeling of something bad could happen because of a, you know, a previous experience. Sometimes it's like, hey, you're, you're getting ready to jump off a cliff. You better, you better look. And so that's what I'm really, really happy about this uh, topic that you, you chose today because uh, if, at least in my experience, if we take a look at fear, it could be the fuel to take it to the next level. And when we learn how to do that, it's actually really empowering. It could be the rocket fuel. So um, fear shows up in many different ways and knowing how it shows up in me in different situations has been the key, whether I am, uh, you know, energizing myself to take the next step or protecting myself or really recharging, you know, like skyrocketing, if you will, is, is that a lot of times it's the catalyst of something so much bigger than I expect. So uh, that's, you know, I guess that's what we're going to be talking about, all the ways fear shows up and, and how do we manage it? I love that. I love that. You know, a couple of things that you said that I wanted to comment on, you know, different types of fear. I think that that is really good. I think that's really good because there are different types and different levels of fear, right? So it's interesting when we look at addiction specifically, we look at people that suffer from addiction and I am one of those people, right? So I'm in recovery. Um, we're looking at, you know, in our neuro room that we do on Tuesday and all of the people that we've interviewed in the Recovered Life show, both Christina and I, that talk about uh, the whole neuro part of fear and the dopamine hit I know that I get a dopamine hit from fear, right? Now, does it do what I want it to do? No, absolutely not. At the end of it, I don't feel good, right? But for a moment, when you turn on the news or when you cruise YouTube or when you start thinking about what's going to happen two months from now or every move that you made, you're going back over oh my gosh, it's going to create this, it's going to create this, things are happening, right? It creates this dopamine hit. You know, I know that just through the study of addiction, we can get addicted to that dopamine hit. And that definitely happens, you know? And so, you know, just, you know, even if you win the rat race, I always say you're still a rat, right? And this is the thing with fear getting this dopamine hit over and over and over, it trains us, oh, I get something out of this fear. And one of the things that I get out of the fear is, is that little dopamine hit, right? And the world right now, the reason why I wanted to have this and, and welcome Lee and welcome Pete and Laura, one of the reasons why I wanted to have this room right now is because there's a lot of fear out there. And here's the thing, that I think a lot of people get confused about, Anne. Um, when, when there's things out in the world or in our lives that we should really be concerned about, and I'm not saying don't do that, right? Like, look, there's a lot of things in the world right now that are really crazy, right? Like, and so you, you know, I think that sometimes fear is a warning sign. Hey, pay attention to this, right? But what happens, I found, is that a lot of times in recovery, we're on a circle of fight or flight, 
right? And I know I was a lot of the times. It was like I would use fear in order to start taking some sort of action. But what would happen sometimes is I would take massive action, but not in the direction that I wanted, right? So fear is this two-edged sword. Like you have to have it. Look, if a dog is chasing me down the middle of the street or a lion is chasing me, right? Like, should I be fearful? Yes. Should I be, should I maybe have some sort of endorphin hit? Yes, of course. Right. But if I'm just, you know, I'm waking up and it's, uh, you know, 6 AM or 7 AM and I start hitting the news just so I can get that little endorphin rush of things to be fearful about, maybe that's an issue. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because the world is so bizarre right now. And we're seeing things, especially in my generation, you know, I'm in my 50s. I'm seeing things that, you know, we didn't even think that we would see shortages of food and all different kinds of stuff in the world, right? Like, I don't want to get political about it, but it's just, that's the reality. Like, we see a lot of things like inflation, money is tighter. It's harder for people. Employment's different. COVID, all of these things, right? It, it just sets off that little fight or flight. Now, over recovery, what I've done is I've learned that when fear is limiting my potential. Now, what do I mean by that? If fear is limiting my potential, that means I'm not taking actions I know I could take to help my life out, to help me, to help others, to be of service. I'm not taking action because I'm so caught up in the fear response. I'm so immobilized that I can't go left or right, I can't go up or down, I can't do anything because fear has me trapped. Now, this is specifically what I would like to hear from you guys, so please raise your hand if you wanna come up, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Really, this room is about you guys, right? It's about, it's about all of our collective thoughts, but I'm gonna tell you this idea of being being trapped, not being able to do anything, and you're in this fight or flight mode because you're in fear. What's gonna happen? What are they gonna say? Many people, when they first come into recovery, you know, I know, Anne, when I was first into recovery, there were a lot of people I didn't wanna run into on the street, right? There was a lot of people that I felt that I had let down. And I don't know if you had that experience, but just the fear of being able to get through the day and stay sober was big. It was palatable. I mean, I remember having actual fear of that, right? And then that sort of subsides and then you have fear about something else. So where is fear active in your life? If you guys would like to raise your hands and come up, we would love to have you. Um, and where is fear taking a hold of your life right now? And how do you, what strategies do you have to move past that, to move into action, into right action, I should say. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, you know, honestly, fear doesn't have a hold of any particular aspect of my life right now. At this particular time, I am in motion in pretty much every aspect of my time and in my life, and that means that warning signs keep coming up. And so how do I deal with it? Well, I use what I call the AAA. Now, AAA 
is, you know, the first A is for awareness. The awareness of there is an opportunity or a problem, you know, in front of me. It's an opportunity, fear of success or a problem, fear of danger, fear of, you know, whatever's going to catastrophe could happen, right? So it's just the aware, okay, wait a minute, no, the the feelers are out there, something is going on, knowing whether, you know, depending on whether it's an opportunity or a problem, obviously, we have to look at it from different perspectives. The next level is acceptance. Now, acceptance comes from me deciding what am I going to do, right? This is going on. It's here. It's happening. What am I going to do about it? That space between awareness and action is the acceptance for me. This is here. So the way I process it, you know, the acceptance part of it is that, okay, what will happen if I do, you know, take advantage of this opportunity? What will happen if I don't act on this situation, the problem, whatever? What will happen? Just thinking it through for me brings in the acceptance that this is real, it's happening. And then you you asked about action. Action that inspired right action is the key here. And like one of my uh, mentors, Alex Mondosian, he just like, he put it in such a beautiful way. He said, the only thing that's worse than going in a wrong direction is going in a wrong direction enthusiastically. And you know what? I did that so many times, you know, before I started accepting myself and learning and empowering and all that. I would go so far off the track. And we do that because fear carries a lot of energy and energy can propel us in a right direction or in a wrong direction so taking the time to actually think through it is the key and so now when we're in fear mode we're in anxiety mode and here's where the second second triple a comes in right i'm just like triple a is easy for me to remember when i'm when i'm faced with something and uh, maybe anxious or there's a lot going on i can't really think clearly i need simple things that i can follow and the triple a's have been really supporting me very nicely so the Second AAA is action alleviates anxiety. And what that means is that if I am in that space where I can't really think through what I was just describing, awareness, acceptance, action, that, that takes some discernment. It takes some thought to, and making decisions. But if I'm in that space, I need to make a snap decision. It's like action alleviates anxiety. So what does that mean? Action. I can do one thing. Start with one thing. I don't know what's ahead of me, but I know what's right in front of me. So I can take one step or it could be, I'm just going to take a breather. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to take a few minutes and go for a walk. Whatever it is, just doing something, deciding to do something. Now, action alleviates anxiety. That step alone right? Just doing anything. It's that's energy and motion. As long as I'm doing something, as long as I'm making a decision, that brings control back to me. I'm not a victim anymore of the situation, the circumstance, the emotion, whatever it is, right? And then it alleviates anxiety because when I'm in control of myself, I'm like, okay, there is something I can do as opposed to feeling like I'm in that tornado. I'm being swirled around wherever he's taking me. And I don't like that feeling. 
And I'm happy to say, because of this discernment process I have put myself into around me, I haven't really gone to the place of anxiety in a long time because I can nip it in the butt. As soon as I feel like, whoops, I'm a little bit out of control here. What's going on? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? And sometimes the action I take, which is the wiser one, is to call somebody who can ask me questions, who can walk me through it. And the, the caveat to this is that you got to call the right person. You know, if somebody doesn't have the information, you don't go there. You know, if somebody just wants to commiserate, you don't go there. Call somebody who is actually going to, you know, hopefully spiritually centered and they're going to listen and they're going to explore possibilities. So this is where I do like a long explanation to a short question, Damon. But this is this is how I manage. This is how I manage my fear and bring it to a healthy place. Um, I'm going to hand the mic back over to you. I love this. I love this. And we're going to go to uh, Pete here in a second because uh, I want to hear what he has to say. But I want to mention something that you said, Anne, and that was so great the triple A's, um, you know, one of the reasons I was thinking about the topic for this room is I was thinking back in my life when fear came in. So let me give you an example, like economic insecurity, right? I'd be going down the right path in my life, but then I would have fear and then I would do a pivot and I would get off the path I should have been on and I'm reacting out of fear. And what I love this is thinking back is one of the things that you said that I think is the key. This is the big golden key that unlocks everything is that I have to be able to understand when I'm in fear and understand sometimes for me, it's not about taking action. It's about taking wrong actions based off of feelings. So for me, what I find is, is that, oh, this is a feeling of lack of control. What can I deal with? Well, I can deal with how I deal with things. I can think clearly. And I think for me, one of the things that, that sobriety, long-term sobriety has taught me is a ability to be able to think clearly, even though I'm in fear, in anger, in disappointment, have a resentment. Look, like it says, we are not saints. We're going to have these emotions and feelings. Things are going to happen. Very real things happen. People die, we lose jobs, we lose clients. You know, people get mad, there are fights, there's all kinds of, this is just, this is gonna happen, this is life. But what long-term sobriety has taught me is how to be okay in the moment, even though I don't feel okay, how to understand that it's like, okay, this is gonna pass and just to hold tight and not do these massive pivots all the time. And you see this in early sobriety, it's like, I'm going to be an attorney. No, I'm going to be an accountant. No, I'm going to open a jewelry business. No, I'm going to do this. And it's all not based off of what people want to do or what people think they should do or even the smartest thing to do. It's based off of a reaction to fear. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Guys, you're in Unstuck. We're talking about the fear of, of is fear limiting your potential? Pete? Welcome to the discussion. What say you about this? What's up, guys? I'm Pete. I'm an alcoholic. Happens to be sober today. Um, I'm I'm fearful of my own shadow. That's my issue. Uh, when I came into learn that a good acronym for fear is false evidence appearing real. 
and that's kind of my mantra. You know, I'm afraid people think don't think highly of me. Um, I'm afraid I'll be a failure as a father. I'm afraid that I'm not as financially successful as my friends. It all comes down to ego, all of it. Um, you know, and, and staying sober allows me to realize that. And at least I know that I have like jealousy and envy and I am fearful of my own shadow. I'm fearful with everything I do that I, that I, I will, I will fail. And ultimately that I'll relapse. Maybe that's my biggest fear because it's an arm length, arm's length away. And it's just a daily process that I stay sober, but who's to say I'm not going to slip. It's pretty easy to go find some alcohol. Let's be honest. And a lot of days it sounds like it may be a good idea, but um, that brings fear to me. And that's a healthy fear. So I'm going to keep that healthy fear today. I'm going to stay sober. Thanks to all of you. Thanks guys. Thank you so much, Pete. Yeah. I think what you shared, a lot of people have that. Am I going to be able to stay sober today? Is this going to work out for me? I relate to everything that you say, right? I think one of the things that I've learned though, Pete, and I'm sure I know after, you know, knowing you and being in different discussions with you, I know that you're somebody who lives that. Just because I have the feeling doesn't mean I need to take the action. And that's another thing that I've learned, right? Like, so I might feel that I'm not keeping up with the Joneses. The truth with the capital T is, well, am I keeping up with the Joneses? You know, I don't know if any of you guys, we talk about this a lot on the Recovered Life Show, but uh, there's a woman named Byron Katie who's in recovery, who's also, I guess you would call her a life coach. But she has a little, a really great little uh, PDF that you can download that I just absolutely love. And one of the things on this is that it takes you through some of the thoughts that you have, a little inventory. And one of the questions she asked is, how do I know if this is true, right? And that's what I ask myself a lot in recovery. I have a lot of feelings. Not all of them are accurate. I think one of the things, if we were going to redefine alcoholism today, I think one of the things that we might want to put in there is that people in recovery, and I would say codependency, alcoholism, drug addiction, any kind of addiction, food, gambling, all that, we as a group tend to have feelings and interpretations about situations that are not accurate. And then we tend to get ourselves in an emotional place to take actions on those feelings that put us in a place worse than the feeling was to begin with. And I found this over and over and over again. And I've accepted the fact in my life that I'm going to have these feelings. Sometimes they don't come all the time, but when they do come, I need to just be okay. And some, sometimes the biggest action I need to take in is doing nothing. I don't know if you found that to be the case for yourself. Oh yeah. There was so much there, Pete. I, I love that. You know, the, false evidence appearing real. Oh my God. I had to do so much of that. Is this real? You know, and how viable is it? Even if it's real, how viable is it? And, uh, so, so important. And, um, uh, it goes right to what you were saying, Damon, you know, just stop, stop. What will happen if I don't take this action right this minute, right this second? 
Most of the time, it's nothing. Unless somebody's getting ready to get hit by a bus, nothing's going to happen if you take a few seconds, a few minutes, a day or whatever to actually decide what's the next inspired action. You know, it goes right into the AAA. And I will tell you, Damon, that I have saved myself a lot of grief, especially when it comes to work, especially when it comes to business, making some bad decisions because the the fear of missing out is very real. People make things sound so good and they make it sound so bad. If you don't do this, you know, and it's amazing, especially when it comes to our health, uh, business, money, money, health relationships, right? These three are the things that always trip us because they're an intricate part of our lives. And so, well, if I don't say yes now, he's going to leave uh, or she's going to leave, whatever. And if I don't do what the doctor's telling me right now, I'm going to die. Are you? No, probably not anytime soon, unless again, it's a life and death situation right there. You're in the ER, in which case you don't really get to make many decisions. But then, you know, financially, it takes time to actually discern. And however long that time is, giving yourself that time is crucial. So just just say, how long do I need? Do How much time can I give myself? That, that process right there is so empowering because that's when we emotionally gain control of our emotions. You know, again, the inspired right action is the key and knowing what the right action is sometimes like you said it's just doing nothing for that minute and yeah yeah very very important so over back to you there david oh so great and you know yeah that is the, the the hardest thing that i have had to learn in my recovery i would say it's right up there in the top 10 is to have like pete saying all of these feelings you you said it so well pete like you just nailed it. It's like, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, right? Especially about parenting, keeping up with the Joneses. Am I making enough money? Uh, am, am I looking good? Uh, do people think that I look good, right? All this other stuff. The hardest part for me is to be able to sit with those feelings and to understand that I don't need to take action on them and that I just need to sit with them and that they will pass. And then the right path will come up. I'm dealing with that right now. And I've got to cut, you know, I've got a couple business situations and I just didn't know the way. And so what I said, you know what I need to do is I need to just stay in the moment. I don't have the I don't have the answers right now, but I will at some point and I'll make that decision then. Guys, you're in the recovered life room. I'm excited that we're going to Elizabeth. Um she's going to talk with us about being stuck do you elizabeth do you fear is fear limiting your potential ever tell us about that oh thank you thank you so much for inviting me to the stage and oh fear used to control me so much and yeah that was the unmanageable part for me for sure and one of the beautiful things of being in recovery and you just you just said it is living in the moment and it took me two years into recovery to finally grasp that. And the way I had to do it was actually hold my hands together and learn how to deep breathe. But it took me two years was a long time to finally get that grasping feeling of living in the moment. And today, how I manage fear is 
is grasping the idea, is this going to bother me in five years from now? Like it's kind of a check-in with myself. And usually the answer is no. But like you in a business situation that you mentioned just now is I try and, well, I pray on it for this alcoholic, I pray on it and just leave myself open to the answer and live in the moment and try to relax in peace with it. So living in the moment is so important to me and keeping my peace. And I, I do pray and meditate and living in, uh, you know, the prayer and meditation is such a, a big part of, of living in that serenity. And I only learned that in recovery. And it's just such a gift for me. So fear is so much more manageable in recovery. And I can tell you that, you know, almost like an 80-20, 80% of the time when I was drinking, maybe 90% of the time I was living in fear. Fear of what was ahead of me, fear of what was going to be behind me and was going to be found out, fear of when my next drink was going to be, when it was going to run out, how I was going to get more, you know, fear, fear, fear. And now it's, it's not there, uh, you know, and taking risk, for example, you know, is I always think of, you know, taking risk, you know, whether you're going to get in the car, or, you know, it's simple, simple things like that, or business risk, or it's, um, you know, what's the worst case scenario in making decisions? I make decisions much better. And, you know, what's the worst case scenario if, if this decision doesn't work out? And if I can live with that worst case scenario, which likely isn't going to happen, and what's the best case scenario, I can make decisions much easier now that I'm in recovery. And, you know, it's just a beautiful life. So living in fear that is 80% gone, or 90% gone in my recovery. And I'm just so grateful for it. And thank you. So I'm mostly unstuck is what I'm trying to say. And it's a great day today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. That's great. I am glad that you are unstuck. Really, right? Isn't that what this is about? I mean, the feeling of, of feeling that you're stuck is is the worst. You know, I've felt that I've stuck when I've been stuck when I haven't even been stuck, right? This is the this is the crazy thing about recovery. Sometimes my feelings, you know, like Pete's saying, false evidence appearing real, isn't really what's going on. You know, I, I've noticed a lot of the times in recovery we feel a lot of things, but not all of them are accurate, right? So we have to sift through what is accurate, what is not accurate for me. Um, you know. I, one of the things, Elizabeth, when you were talking that really stood out to me as I was thinking back, and, you know, Pete was talking about staying sober, which is really the key here, right? Like if we can't stay sober, if we can't stay out of codependent relationships, if we if if we have all these different stacked addictions and we can't stay uh, out of the tanglement of, of, of actively participating in those, we're always going to be stuck, right? So 
I always say this, no matter what type of life you want to live, if you're in recovery, the first step is always to regain physical sobriety, right? Like that's the thing that you have to do first before you work on all these other individual issues, in my opinion. Um, one of the things that was big with me that I found is that I was stuck in early sobriety and then probably about two decades, a little bit over two decades into recovery, I was about two decades in, I, I got stuck again really bad. And for me, I needed somebody who was going to make me accountable and really push me, right? Like they would tell me the truth and push me because the reality is, is I got myself into a pickle in my own thinking that I could not get out of on my own. So one of the things that I've learned about being stuck, especially with fear, is fear will put me into a place where my own thinking will keep me trapped. And sometimes I need people that are in my life that can tell me the truth, even though it might hurt, and push me to go to where I need to go. And have you found that to be the case in your recovery? Uh, yes, absolutely, Damon. I have found that to be the case. And that's the beauty of being in recovery. We, we know that uh, we do need outside discernment in our lives. You know, somebody else who can look at the situation, somebody we trust, and that's the key. We trust. In, in my case, I, I have to take time to actually think about who I'm going to. Um, they have to be, they have to be spiritually centered. And uh, they must know how to listen and ask questions to help me discern. Because when somebody doesn't listen, they don't ask questions, then they're giving me their opinion instead of supporting me to discern what's right for me. And that has been a key, key component of me being able to walk past the fears, being able to trust the advice, the advisor that I'm going to, because especially in early recovery, you know, so many people know so much more and they're advanced. We're like, oh, I want that. But they may or may not have the answer that we're looking for. And so making sure that they're not just telling us what they think we should do and asking questions so we can discern ourselves, it's really important for them to actually point out to me, why do they think, uh, I should be looking at this or I should be looking at that. In other words, asking the questions that brings out the information within me that I need to look at to, to be able to get the big picture. Because a lot of times we don't even know the big picture until we start asking the right questions. And that's the key. If I'm in a state of anxiety, if I'm in a state of fear, I'm not thinking clearly enough. That's a, that's, that's an insane space to be in. So I need somebody outside of me who is centered, who is present, who can ask the right questions, who can help me discern, you know, what's the next right step for me. And that, that finding that person or finding those people, whether it's about our relationship, whether it's about our work, whether, you know, it's financial. And it's, you know, it could be that these are three different people, spirituality, 
this is the fourth person, a key person. So it could be that we need to have four. And I've been I've been blessed, I can say, to have, you know, one or two people who've had all four of them. And that's a treasure. So you guys, if you find that person, <laughs> hold on to them. Because if they know you well enough to ask the right question, you're going to have the key to your happiness because the answers are within you and they're going to help you unlock it. Uh, that's been my experience and it's working beautifully for me. And uh, yeah, that's kind of it. Over Back over to you, David. Oh, so love it. You know, I think, you know, what, what I've gotten from this, and I love these discussions because we kind of pull apart the tent poles of what, actually is going on with us when we're stuck. And, you know, I think when we're talking about fear, limiting your potential and limiting the actions that you're taking, I think one of the thing is, is that this the whole thinking, the feeling, and then the doing, right? So I think, you know, what I've learned in coaching from coaching people and also, you know, having a high performance life, going out and doing things in recovery, big things, right? That were hard, they were not easy that thinking, feeling, and doing is always present there. And I think so much, so much of us in recovery get stuck in the thinking and feeling, and we don't do any doing. We only do doing when we feel that our back is up against the wall. And so much of life, and I, you know, I say this a lot to my clients, so much of life is about what you do. It's not what you think or when you, what you feel. You know, one of the biggest things that I saw that I really loved uh, because it kind of took the pressure off of me, I, I, you know, was reading a lot about Mother Teresa and about all of these works that she did. She did, her doing was absolutely amazing. And I thought that her thinking and feeling about God and about everything was similar to what she did, right? But she didn't. You know, Mother Teresa is somebody who had a lot of doubts right? She would talk about huge dry spells in her spiritual condition, you know, connection with God, huge dry spells. Will it ever come back? You know, there were a lot of writings about that Mother Teresa did and a lot of people that knew her that have come out to say, you know what? The doing was amazing. It didn't always match the feeling. So this is what I find in high performance coaching with my clients, especially a lot of the times we focus, okay, this is what you want. Yes, you're having all these feelings, which feelings are accurate, which feelings might not be on base here. How much time are you spending thinking? You know, I found out that long after I gave up alcohol, I was an addictive thinker. And for me, one of the biggest things I do in my life is try not to think. I know that sounds crazy, but I try not to think a lot. I schedule out deep thinking. And then when I'm done with it, I drop it because I can think myself into a lot of problems. Daniel, welcome to the Recovered Life Discussion, The Unstuck Room. Is fear limiting your potential? What say you? Uh, fear is not limiting my potential right now, but I, I really try to not pedestalize any of my emotions more than I, like I, I live in the emotion in the moment and then I let that thing keep on traveling right because it's gonna it's a continuous cycle happiness fear all of the primary uh feelings right so i and plus since i i tend to operate in extremes i tend to overcorrect 
because if a little bit is good, doing way too much is great, right? So I, I tend to try to hover in the middle of that. I try to automate a lot of stuff so I don't end up, uh, what is it? Ana over analysis equals paralysis or whatever. So if I, I, if I tend to overthink stuff, then I start, yeah, it, it's a weird thing, but I, I try to, I know my weaknesses, right? So I'm aware of them when they go down. So it's either I actually process the feeling, understand if I'm doing this reactionary or is it a rational decision? It's hard to do. Sometimes I don't do the right choice, but I still got to live with the consequence, right? I was able to survive life with horrible choices as an addict. I think I'm able to overcome the same difficult decisions as more of a rational person. So I use my uh, survival tactics as an addict to be able to cope with the stresses of life while I'm sober, right? Because all my choices now at least won't end up like in a ditch or in prison. So I think I'll figure it out. I'm not uh, sweating it that tough, right? Thank you so much, Daniel. That was great. Uh, I have a question for you. Uh, what was something in your life that you were really fearful about, but then after you did it, it wasn't a big deal? Uh, usually like trying something new, right? Is this going to work out? Is this going to, uh, I don't know. Like I was, a a baker's assistant in the form of a union and all of that, right? I was going down that path, the recession hit and now I'm unemployed. Like, what am I going to do? Right. There's a lot of fear there when you can't provide for your family. And then I just ended up just doing a certificate program. Still didn't work out. I ended up starting my own business. That didn't work out. I ended up getting a CDL and like this seems to be working out right now. So I just keep trying and failing and making little adjustments to not overcorrect because I know I tend to overcorrect, right? As long as I'm not overcorrecting and ending up in a wall, I should be able to uh, constantly make little adjustments to get through the hard times and enjoy the good times, right? That's so great. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for sharing that with us. And any thoughts on this before we go to Moon? Yes, you know, you know I do. And uh, Daniel, so what you were describing, taking, uh, you know, trying different things and you're not giving up. That's that's the key. Now, here's one thing that um, uh, I got from what you were saying, Damon, like you just sometimes you just, you know, just wait, right? And um Here's what I found that I, our subconscious has all this information for us to be able to sound while our conscious is static, you're running around like crazy trying to figure out what to do. Our subconscious has a lot of information. And if we just ask the question and just put it aside, like you said, just take some time and go do something else for me, it's taking a walk. I, I call a dance walk. What I put on a fit my favorite, I have several, you know, playlists, the different kinds of music for different moods, different occasions, if you will, right? I'll put that on and I'll go for a walk. While the music is doing its thing, I'm feeling fabulous. It's energizing me. I'm thinking about something else. By the time I get back, I have the 
answer that I'm looking for. If I don't have the answer, at least I know who to call to get the answer, where to look for the answer. But just getting out of that frenzy, crazy place where, oh my God, I got to do something. That doesn't give us what we're looking for. At least it's not going to give us the right information. And I love what you shared earlier about Mother Teresa. Like she did amazing things and she was, you know, okay, I want to help. She was totally on her mission, but even she as connected as she was with her source, her source, her God, um, she had places in her life where he wasn't talking to her. At least she wasn't listening. And my, my thing on it is that sometimes when we are, when we are still, we can, you know, it's either because I'm not listening, like I'm not getting the message because I'm not listening because there's too much going on or the answer is coming. I don't want to hear the answer. And I'm curious as to maybe how you, when you're going into prayer to get the answer, when you're meditating or whichever way it takes for you to be able to tap into your subconscious to look for information, have you figured out your discernment process? Like for me, I'm like, you know, like I said, two ways. I know the answer is always there. Either I'm interfering with it because it's not what I want or there's just too much going on. And in which case, I will, once I take time to go do something else, the answers appear. Our subconscious does have a lot, a lot of what we're looking for right then and there. We don't even have to go elsewhere. So I want to toss it back over to you. Uh, this whole process is just fabulous, Damon. What a great room you put together. Well, thank you. Yes. And to answer your question, yes, it's like I do have a process for it now. I, you know, I... I would consider myself in the past a chronic overthinker. You know, uh, for me, it's not a lack of things to do. I feel like I'm getting hit with a fire hose, literally. Like you ever see those like old protest things where they would turn on the fire hose and hit people over with it? Like, that's what I feel like. I feel like so much comes at me and I don't really know what to grab a hold of. So what I've, what I've done, and it's so funny that you mentioned this, Anne, because I'm in the middle of this right now. I have a situation in my life, and, and that's why I like about Recovered Life, because, you know, we talk about actually what's going on, what's real, not some hypothetical thing, right? And I'll tell you, this is very real in my life. I have a business thing that I have been doing for years that was very, very, very successful uh, for a time. But because of the pandemic, it moved a lot of the market around, right? And so I have created a lot of value in this, in this area for people. But what's happened is the business models have changed in this particular business. So I found myself just taking all these different actions, moving from one thing to the next. And eventually I get tired. And then what happens is I then start to overthink and I will just sit and I will think like at night, like I'll go in my backyard and I will sit and think, and I'll think myself right into inaction. I don't even know what action to take by the time I'm done with myself. So what I did is I'll just take out a piece of paper and I'll write down what's real, what I do know, what I, and then on the other column, I'll say, these are things that I feel. And I try to match those up a little bit, right? And ultimately I've got people in my life that I could do this with, but you know, I'll then get some facts on the ground, right? And then for me, I, for the last week, and I have just taken some time in the morning and I sit there and I ask myself, you know, okay, 
to my higher power, God, show me what direction I should go. Point it out to me. Now, this is this is so great because one of the things that I've learned, Dan, is not to stop taking action in other areas of my life while I'm waiting for this answer, right? I'm still taking actions with my family. I'm taking actions with clients. I'm taking actions by showing up uh, you know, for the Recovered Life discussion today. I'm taking all these actions anyway, doing the other thing. I'm not sitting around thinking and waiting. But what I do give myself for is I give myself permission to grab the answer that's coming from my higher power, right? And if you are not a God person, you could just say the universe. And what happens is things that were always out there that I was not in tune with start to appear. And I'm going to tell you, Anne, this might sound a little crazy, but if you get on this path, what starts to happen is massive manifestation. And this is a lot of times what I do with my clients is I'll refocus them, okay, so that the things that are already in their life start making sense to the building blocks of how they can get to where they want to go or where they should be at, right, or where God is pointing them to be. It's clarity. And this is and this is the key right there. And I wait, and I, I'll tell you, Ann, today, already got a couple of emails. God provided the business plan, right? I just received it. But I have to ask for the clarity. Because what I found is if I don't ask for the clarity, I'm really in self-will. I'm saying, no, I'm going to figure it out. And a lot of the times, my higher power is like saying, hey, it's already figured out. All you have to do is tune yourself to the awareness that it's already here. And once I do that, things start to unfold. Oh, Damon, that was... That was so, that was so beautiful. I just I just want to point out the letting go once once you've decided here's what it is I'm handing it over to God and and I'm going to accept whatever it is. It takes so much pressure off. Like in your case, you got the you got the information you need for your business. Well, who is the one providing the information? It's through people. And I, the hardest thing for me to learn how to do is really understand that I'm powerless over people, that everybody is making decisions that's right for them at that time with whatever they have going on in their lives, not to take it personally. So if I'm not getting that business call, it's not about me. It's not the right thing at the right time for both of us. Because if I let God dance between us, the right things happen. The same thing happens with personal relationship. It's not the right time or it's not the right person. Whatever it is, giving myself and the other person, the space, the grace, and, and to want the best for them, whatever it may be, things just fall into place. I've gotten some of the most amazing calls myself, business-wise, in the last in the last month. You know? And, you know, the personal life, it just so much is happening. That process you just described, that's what it is. It's um uh, it's not just what I want. It's also wanting the best for the other person, whatever that may be, and trusting that it's the right, the right thing and the highest good 
for all concerned, including me. So it's not always about me, but it is about me and how I respond to other people. That colors everything. That colors the perspective. That colors my actions. It 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 reduces the anxiety. So all of that falls into place. So that was just beautiful. I had to speak up on it. And I know we're getting ready to close the room and we still have noon on stage. So I'm going to hand the mic back over to you, Damon. Thank you so much, And Yes, we are about at the hour, but we want to hear what Moon has to say. Moon, what say you about this being stuck? Is fear limiting your potential? Hello. Hello, Damon. Hello, SS. It's very good. I feel very good to drop here and listen to all those words you all share over here. The topics you kept here today, it was so much interesting. You know, whenever I, I see this word fear, I just want to drop there and just speak about it because, you know, in my life experiences, I had so many, so many things that I haven't done due to fear, fear, you know, and this, this fear had become one of the reasons which, which makes me feel really great every time whenever I find a time for myself and think about the things I haven't done and what were the reasons behind, you know. Every time I just think of it, every answers were ended up to the one word and that was the fear. My life experiences, I, I really had a lot of experiences on my life, like everyone, everyone does of their own, you know, because everyone has their own life journeys and so on. So I just want to relate something, you know, some, some moment that happened to my life uh, that made me, you know, move, move forward towards the fear and face it, then running it, you know. There was this one big project that I was handling and every decisions that I made would cause a huge problem towards it because, you know, one wrong decisions I made gonna cost thousands of dollars in losses. So I was so, so, so much scared of this doing this project. Then the times went on and on and the supervisor, the one who was above me, he just came and saw the fear maybe in me. And he then spoke like, why are you so much scared of doing this? And I told him, I, I couldn't lie to him. And I just said to him, you know, it's it's so big deal for me. I cannot, because I know in my heart that if I made a one mistake, then I gonna ruin it everything and everything's need to be redone. And so I'm so scared of it. And you know, he answered me such a way that I always remember it. It made me remember every time. He just said to me that, Will, will your wrong decision gonna destroy everything? Will your wrong decision won't have a solution anyway? The reason I chose you for this job was because I trust on you. Because I know you're gonna give your 100% on it and you're gonna make it happen. And you know, he just said to me like, okay, if, if things didn't turn out the way you planned, if things didn't went as you thought, what will gonna happen? It will be redone. We can make it do it again. It won't destroy everything over here. And this made me realize, you know, it gave me some strength. So I started um, leaving those fears and did that project. 
and when I completed that project, it became such a great that the one who gave me, he was so much impressed. And whenever he saw people around, he used to like, you know, see, see the work of this guy. How did he did it? And this made me realize so much, you know, like sometimes we ourselves, we don't see how much ability we have, how much capacity we have. And people close to us, they could see it and they just encourage us to deal with it and make us realize that the only thing that was stepping us behind was a fear. And you know, in, in, in this fear, we always want someone to believe in us, someone to say like, you know, yeah, it can be done. Some, some hidden force, I, I might call it, like the way I got from him. So, you know, I just wanna tell people around here whoever listening to this, because, you know, everyone got fear of their own whenever they try to do something, whatever it may be, this fear gonna always pull you back. It always gonna give you thousands of reasons why you shouldn't do it. It always, you know, maybe our human mind is so much uh, conscious about the problems that can be created that we don't think of a solutions that can be done if even that problem had occurred. So I would always suggest people over here, whoever listening to me, no matter whatever fear that you have in your heart, when you have some dreams, some plans to do, just think of it. Is that worthful? Is that going to be going to be good for everyone around you? If if that going to change something around you? If all your answers is good, then I would just say, go for it, no matter whatever the fear it may be. You will Absolutely. always way. Just go for it. And yeah. Thank you, Moon. That is, that's beautiful. Yeah, definitely go for it. I mean, you know, Moon, what you shared was so important because I think at the very end of the story here, the really end of the room, I want to say, you know, one of the biggest things that I've learned in recovery is to be able to say, hey, if I go for it and I fail, What's the worst that's going to happen? And when I started to write that down on a piece of paper, what I realized was, you know what? I can live with that, <laughs> right? Like in my mind, the worst that could happen was big. But when I wrote down what really was the worst that could happen, I just asked myself, can I live with that? And if the answer is yes, go for it. If I can't live with it, then okay, I maybe need to look at it a little bit. But many of the times it was just like, it was nothing. It was nothing. All I had to do was take action. Guys, this is, so thank you, Moon, so much. And for everybody who spoke and everybody who joined us today. And this has been an amazing room. This has been so much fun. I do need to mention that you guys are in the Recovered Life room. And if you guys are not a member of Recovered Life, definitely do this. We've just moved to our new home on Volley. We're absolutely loving it. It's been great. But if you're a member, you're going to get access to exclusive emails, content, all kinds of great stuff from Christina Dennis and myself. Um, and where can people learn more about you? I know you've got this unique influencer code thing going on. Where can people learn more about you? Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you, Damon. Again, a fabulous room. Well, to learn more about me, you can go to accesstoexperts.com. You can see it in my bio. And uh, a big part of what I do is I really empower people to 
find what is their unique influencer code. What is it that you want? What makes you special and move forward? So a lot of it does have to do with being unstuck. So access to experts.com. There are a lot of free masterclasses on different aspects of uh, what we need to do to move forward. So go have some fun and enjoy the free masterclasses. Thanks, Damon. Again, it's been a fabulous room. Always a pleasure being here with you. Thank you so much. And yes, definitely, guys, go check out Access to Experts. Uh, this has been a really great time. Uh, guys, if you are not a member of the Recovered Life community, please join. We're actually now starting to send exclusive emails out to people about content that Christina and I are creating that not everybody has access to. So definitely go to recoveredlife.us. Also, I do want to mention that I did put a link up top to uh, a offer for high performance recovery coaching from me. If accountability is your issue, if getting focused and taking action is your issue, I would love to help. I am offering a free week with me, a free coaching week. Um, yes, there is no, there, there, it's exactly a free week. There is no catch or anything else. You'll work with me for a week. We're gonna identify on a quick call, what you want and some actions that you can take. And then over a seven day period of time, we're gonna start taking massive action in your life and your recovery so that you can get to the place that you want to be. So in order to get to that, all you have to do is click the link above. I only do a couple of these a week, guys. So if you want it, grab it now. There is no catch, it's 100% free. All you have to do is click the link above. Guys, this has been an amazing room. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us in the unstuck room. I think we really broke down fear and how it's limiting our potential and really some actions that we can take uh, to really deal with that, right? To embrace what we really can do in our life and the potential in our life and how we can manage the fear in a way that it's not gonna overtake us. I am gonna continue this conversation in our volley group. If you would like to join us, all you have to do is go to recoveredlife.us. If you're not already on volley, you can sign up there, become a member, and it will bring you right to the sign-up page of volley. And within minutes, you're gonna be speaking with both Christina Dennis and myself. I know Anne is there, so you can join us all there on volley. Guys, thank you so much. Go out and live your best recovered life, and I'll see you next week on Unstuck. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.